everybody. Welcome to an episode of All the WrestleManias, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. Thanks for joining us. We're always excited to talk to you. We hope you caught our uh, recent episodes. We did a, a look back at an ECW show, or their very first pay-per-view, and our very first ECW pay-per-view. We also had a great conversation with Logan Easton Leroux, half of the VCW Tag Team Championship. I uh, hope you had a chance to check him out and all the um, cool stories he had about the business. Um, but we are... Um, beyond excited today for our uh, our guest. He'll be making an appearance at the next Virginia Championship Wrestling Show. That's Tidings of Destruction, Saturday, December 2nd, at the Norfolk Masonic Temple on Granby Avenue. The door's at 6.30, the bell at 7.30, obviously, tickets and more at vcwprowrestling.com. As always, great friends of the show, uh, and our guest today will be there to celebrate uh, the career and the retirement of VCW Commissioner George Pantis, a mid-Atlantic wrestling legend in his own right, and another great great, great friend of the show. So we'll talk a little bit more about the details of that December 2nd show as we go along, but we are so pleased to welcome legendary wrestling announcer, executive, all-around um, cool guy, David Crockett. Oh, welcome, thank David. you. Thank you, Tim and Rich. Thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate it. This is a pleasure. Thanks so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. Rich maybe joked that we should change our name to all the Starcades and start off all the WrestleManias for today. Um <laughs> So and congrats! We saw you just had a fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary. That's right. That's right. Can you believe it? You know, she she no. <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, I'm the last one. Uh, family of four guys, uh, guys and girls, and uh, one girl. Now I'm the only one still married to the same person. I was the last one to get married too. So uh, it's 28 when I got married. Smart. Yes. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fabulous. My parents, my grandparents on both sides made it to 50. My parents made it to 40. So that was well. Yeah, that's a, cool. that's above mm. the average. <laughs> and I'd say you're a definite outlier with the wrestling business, uh, having having a marriage or any kind of relationship. That is that, that is very true. My children suffered. My wife suffered. You know, every Christmas we had shows. Every holiday we had shows. Yeah. So anniversaries, birthdays, graduations, uh, plays, you name it. It you know. I wasn't there, but I am there for my grandchildren. I can say that. Yeah. How many? Uh, how many have, have you got? I have four: a boy and a girl with my son, a boy and a girl with my daughter. Daughter lives in Raleigh, and my son is here in Charlotte. Oh, very nice. Yes. Very nice. Well, that's cool. You can send them home at the end of that's the day. That's right. That's the best yeah. part, right? <laughs> Give them a lot of sugar and jack them up and send them home. <laughs> Well, so we thought we'd start by asking you about your relationship with George Pantis, who's been around the, the wrestling business for, uh, for of course, a long, long time. Um, and just kind of wanted to know a little bit about how you how long you've known George, how you originally met. Um, and, wow. Uh, yeah, we'll well, go I, from there. I originally met George at a wrestling match, of course, in Norfolk. <laughs> uh, he was... I guess a fan, you know, at that time, it's been so long ago. He's been around. It's sort of like the sun. It comes up in the morning. And so, you know, every morning, George is always there. So, yes, uh, as long as I can remember, George was at the Norfolk Scope and the Hampton Coliseum. And sometimes he'd be to Richmond. But, you know, I always see him. And he's always questions you know he's but he's got questions that you, you look and say why are you asking that <laughs> but yes he uh, he's been there uh, 
he's a mainstay, I guess you might say. And then he's gone on uh, as far as I know some footage, footage that we needed. He had some. So, you know, he's a he's an encyclopedia of wrestling in this area. Yeah, he, he certainly is. And he knows just about everybody. Everybody loves George. Uh, everybody gets <laughs> all excited when he comes out to comes out at the shows. So will this be your first time at a at a VCW show in this current incarnation? Yes, it will. Yes, it will. It'll be okay. a, a first time. I am anxious to see uh, what goes on. Uh, I'm not anxious to see George retire, but I understand. You know, at some point, he's got grandchildren. And so that's a big part of his life. So I can definitely understand why he wants to spend time you know, with the grandchildren. Yeah, I think you'll, I'm sure you'll have a good time at the oh, show. Yes. They, uh, they do a fantastic job. They have some some really great talent. Um, I think that that card should be a fun one. Um, and one more for me before I give it to Rich is, so what does it mean to you to help your friend and your colleague uh, celebrate this retirement from the business after all these years? I am honored that George asked me. I really am. I mean, uh, to have him think enough to ask me to come, yes. And it gives me a chance, believe it or not, I'm going to stop in Raleigh to see my daughter and my grandchildren there going to drive i'm going to pretend it's just like a, a regular norfolk because it used to be you know we do tv we'd have dorton arena tuesday tv wednesday there wrl tv and then thursday norfolk so i'm going to do the norfolk trip yeah so i'm looking forward to that yeah it really I, george he's more than than a a wrestling personality that I know, uh, he's become a very good friend, uh, you know, uh, and I hope I am a friend to him. You know, it's, it, it works both ways. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, uh, you're, you guys are both lucky to have such friends like that in your life. It's a, it's a top notch and, and yeah, blessing. in the wrestling business, few and far between yeah. really. I mean, it's, uh, it's, always watching your back and it's not you know there were some wrestlers that definitely you had to watch back then there are others that you know that that you uh if you stop real fast they'd run into you you know they were chasing you around (laughs) i want to be you know pg on this not pg (laughs) family oriented (laughs) well then we'll try to be family oriented As I'm sure many of our listeners know, is that you are basically uh, attached to one of the royal families of professional wrestling, the Crockett family. Uh, your name, your last name, is synonymous with with the NWA uh, and just in general with pro wrestling and pro wrestling's incredible history. Um, so I've been reading about uh, Jim Crockett promotions and. Um, I found it extremely fascinating that you guys also did uh, theater and minor league baseball team and uh, concerts and all that kind of stuff. And hockey, hockey too. That's right. Yeah. And I was just wondering how you guys landed on wrestling being the big. It started with my father. Uh, He started in boxing, not not a boxer. He was helping a man put out posters and advertising up in Bristol, Virginia, Tennessee. And uh, he gradually worked in, he managed a boxer and promoted boxing. 
and it ended up in the Virginias, Carolinas, and then he kept on seeing this boxing wrestling commission. You know, what's going on here? So he went to a wrestling match and goes, mm, you know, sure. so goes sees a, he looks at a few more and then he goes, I can make money at this. So he, he started promoting boxing and wrestling. And then, of course, the big bands, Tommy Dorsey, Glenn Miller, the Caravan of Stars. We had 72 dates a year on the Harlem Globetrotters up and down the East Coast of the Mississippi River. Golly, James Brown caught me in the airport one time and found out who I was and got me in a bear hug. And he said, your dad got me out of more trouble. Uh, it just, <laughs> uh, just my life was not normal. You think about it as a kid yeah. growing up, taking tickets at showing dances, selling programs, uh, you name it. I did it. set up rings. You know, I, I went along and, and did that to earn money. But, you know, God, it would. It, it, people talked it. Well, who'd you, who'd you see? Who do you want to see? Joe Lewis, Jack Dempsey. I saw Joe Lewis quite a few times. Uh, let me see. I saw uh, Henry Mancini uh, and Andy Williams. Uh, I was there in Charlotte when my father cancels the show because of. Oh, now, see, I am getting old here. Ray Charles came in so drugged up that uh, he could hardly walk. And he said, I am not subjecting my fans to this. Canceled the show, made him come back, didn't pay him. You know, so he had a lot of respect in the entertainment business. Uh, we got, uh, we started baseball here in Charlotte. Eddie Murray was Cal Ripken Jr. Oh, mm. you know, just, mm -hmm. it was, you know, Winston-Salem Polar Twins, uh, the hockey team in Winston-Salem, uh, showing dances. Uh, my dad did My Fair Lady, the original Broadway cast, made $150. That's what he netted. $150. Sold out. Now, it was just, but all the cost involved of the Broadway, you, yeah. know, you don't make much. So uh, you know, that, that was something. Uh, just being around people. And I think I talked a little bit earlier that the entertainment business had a social stigma attached to it. A lot of uh, friends of mine uh, were, their parents were uh, country clubs and so forth. I knew mm -hmm. more people in the kitchen and had more fun in the kitchen than I did out front. And, and that was fine with me. Yeah, it just, you know, it was just one of those things. But you'd see big Jim Crockett. I mean, my dad, 450 pounds at one time, bigger than that. Yeah, it's a, but he used to be slim. You know, he also ran restaurants. That's where huh. he kept on, I guess you would say, he, he didn't have a normal eating schedule. He always snacked all the time. Uh, you know, even late at night, you know, you know, when you come back in town, he'd find uh, sort of a nightclub or a speakeasy that was you know, open, you know, late at night. And he'd go in there and s sit in the kitchen and, and eat. 
But yeah, the, we we've done all you name it, and we've done it. Elvis Presley, we did some of that before. You know, he was really known. Uh, rodeos, circus, just so many things. So, did you guys mostly do that, like that, like Blue Ridge? area like that or did you go all the way to the coast and like to like charleston south carolina oh, and yes stuff like we that? north carolina south carolina virginia um uh, mm. he and you think about it it was uh just him for the longest time then he had south carolina he had henry marcus promoter for part of that from columbia down the mernicks were uh raleigh to the east coast uh, and Richmond, Norfolk, and the Pete Apostolou was Roanoke and, and that area in the mountains there. And we did everything else and managed them. So, okay. yes. Very cool. So, uh, I got to tell you that one of my goals with this podcast was to drag Tim kicking and screaming into watching and appreciating the NWA Jim Crocker promotions, WCW product. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Oh, he's one of, he, he's one of those. W- yeah. Well, there was that's stand up wrestling. There was, there was that's very all little. They do, there was, stand up. <laughs> there was that's very right. little kicking it's and all, screaming. Yeah. It didn't take. It didn't take from the much back to the ring. That's it. Well, yeah. well. So Tim grew up in Pennsylvania, but I grew up in Baltimore. Okay. And so Baltimore was, you know, and still is a huge wrestling. Yes, town. it is. And, and uh, I benefited from having access to watch both WWF and Mid-Atlantic. Uh, I'm pretty sure like WNUV in Baltimore uh, uh, carried uh, uh, Mid-Atlantic in syndication, possibly. But... I, th- I think that might. Yeah, we had a station in Baltimore. Oprah Winfrey was on that station when she first started. Uh, that was before mm. she had her own show. So, yeah, uh, yes. Sabatinos, Sabatinos in Baltimore. Oh, oh, but oh, yeah. They'd always keep it open for us. Woo. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they are the yes. spot. Uh, but obviously, I also watched uh, WCW on the uh, Superstation at six oh five every Saturday night. And um, my mom was actually a big fan of Georgia Championship yeah. Wrestling, and was actually the and actually who got me into professional wrestling and she loved gorgeous George and Ric Flair. And she always told me that she had to tune in to see what that son of a bitch Ric Flair was up to. (laughs) And so I just want to tell you now, before we really dig in that, like getting to talk to you really brings back some really fond memories of watching wrestling with my mom. And, uh, so I really appreciate that you've come on. Uh, cause like like everybody talks about Jim Ross right. or whoever is being a voice, but you know, your voice on the Superstation 605 every Saturday night, uh, asking Ric Flair why he did what, what's going on with the Four Horsemen and stuff like that is like my childhood wrestling before like really kicking into like WWF. Like I was aware of like Hulk Hogan, right. but like, damn it, I knew Ric Flair. I, and I knew the Four Horsemen. Uh, Arn Anderson going around beating people up and that spine buster of his, like I, that was, that was my, my jam early on before I started watching anything else. Uh, do you realize 90% of what we did was ad lib? I mean, you know, even the wrestling match in the ring, you had a certain time limit. Let's say that you knew you thought they were going to, you know, finish wrestle 
said, all right, you got 15 minutes here. And didn't even know what they were going to do. You know, as, you know, somebody else knew that, but we, you know, and didn't want to know who was going to win either. But, you know, you, of course you had an idea, especially if you have job guys. But those interviews were a scream on TBS. I don't know what it was, but it just, every, everybody, when we walked in, it was like, you're on, you, you've got 20 cups of caffeine. You're just and you're yeah. you're ready, and, and just some of the things. You, you, I, you know, I'd have to take the mic and stand away because I'm sitting there laughing like hell. <laughs> I could, yeah. I could, yeah. And and you know, Rick, Iron Tully, JJ. What about? Do you remember the gorilla? Do you remember JJ in the gorilla suit in the cage? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love to see footage. Yeah. I mean that. Would, I didn't know what's coming out. I was such a I mean, what? And Miss Atlanta, Miss Atlanta Lively, Ronnie Garvin dressed in drag. Yep. You yep. can't do that now, but God, he, he, <laughs> just some of the stuff we do. Yeah, you know, there is no way that it would work if you planned it because it just wouldn't. You know, you try, all right, we're going to put the camera here and here and shoot it this way. That, nah, it's just, let's, let's just go for it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real testament to the quality that, that like, that stuff still comes up in viral memes and, and, and GIFs, and people still share those videos, those little clips on YouTube. The, the styling and profiling clip is right. everywhere, you know, and it's, you know, that's, almost 40 years ago and that stuff is still mainstream and i was just re-watching some of it the other day after we found out that you were willing to talk to us and i was like and i'm i'm watching it and i can't it's it's unbelievably good and it's still fresh and and present like it's it's an actual like that could have been that could have been filmed yeah. yesterday like you know it looks so modern rick is better known today than he was yesterday. He he is. I mean, he's got a whole new yeah. generation of people that enjoy watching him, listening to him. You know, all of them. You know, Iron Anderson with his one-liners, Tully Blanchard. They, you know, and I know their their interviews are just unbelievable. But the, you think about. It, Ric Flair or even Tully's done it. Uh, they've all done it wrestling an hour and have the fans on their feet. And it, I've, I asked him, I said, how do you do that? You know, I don't see you talking. He said, you just know, especially when you've got pros in there like they are, you know what you're going to do. You know, react to Whatever they're doing, you do, and it's it's. I guess it's sort of like chess, back and forth, you know, and and it it just works. Because I I was a referee, you know, for some of those Nikita Koloff Ric Flair matches. They didn't say anything. They well, I take that back. They said, "Get out of the way." <laughs> yeah. One of the things that we did with our podcast was that we've we've uh, slowly worked through the the Ric Flair Ricky Steamboat uh, 
feud. Uh. And we we actually ended with their one hour long best three out of three falls match. And that is absolute work of art. Isn't it's it? absolutely beautiful. It's an hour of just the most mesmerizing action that I can ever remember seeing. And Rick came to us, he said, you know, when he was world heavyweight champion, he said, guys, I saw this young man in Atlanta, Ricky Steamboat. You need to get him up here. This was before we owned Georgia Championship Wrestling. So we brought him. Same thing with Arn. Arn was at Mid-South. And Rick saw him. He said, "Uh, he's an Anderson. So... uh, you know, he did an interview. I said, golly, definitely. He's an Anderson. So, yeah, you know, what great, great times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Steamboat and Rick, you know, I had an opportunity to see Ricky Steamboat at a autograph signing in Winston-Salem. He still looks fantastic. Yeah. He looks like he could go right now. We, 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 um, yeah, we, we watch those, those matches and I, you know, they're like, um, they're like jazz, you know, they're really just, they're just two amazing, talented, prepared performers just riffing off of each other. And you, the, there's no seams, there's no laws, there's no, except for where they want them to be, you know, it's just, it's really, uh, for people who, you know, so just a little aside, we, the, uh, the, w- the VCW show here at ODU kind of ran into a little bit of trouble. Some of the stuff that you were talking about in terms of, oh, low culture and not sophisticated enough or whatever. Um, and I think, you know, there are some uh, some stereotypes and some negative uh, impressions of, of wrestling. But to have somebody that tells you that, that wrestling is not a work of art, to, you know, have, I just tell them, just go sit down and watch. You don't have to watch all three. Just sit down and watch one of those and then come back and tell me that there's not, you know, a, a serious level of... Uh, of artistic yes, uh, achievement artists. here. So. And psychology. Think about this. To me, they are listening to the fans as they go. And, you know, they they hear them. And they can take them. It's like what I do when I go to a movie. I put my mind in neutral. And I just let it take me. And that's what fans do. They They go and they want you to pick them up. They don't want you to slam them down, but take them up and then the, bring them down a little bit, then keep them up and just keep going back and forth. And it's, it's a beautiful experience. It is a work of art. Yeah, especially with that storyline between the two where, you know, uh, Ricky Steamboat is is the family hardworking man. Right. He's the common guy. He's fighting for you. And then you have Ric Flair, who's not necessarily the bad guy because he does bad things, but he's the bad guy because he's able to do all the things you wish you could. And you wish deep down that you were like him with the confidence and the money and the women. And you, you just have this great conflict between them too. So like, it's not just like watching that match, but then you got to watch the promos before it and be completely engulfed in that story. True. And, you know, with Rick, he was Ric Flair 24-7. He lived it. You can ask the Internal Revenue about him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, he just, wow. Uh, It's it's still amazing how he 
I want to say he's still alive. He's, you know, he shouldn't be with us. I went down, you know, to Atlanta, and I thought I was saying my last goodbye to him. You know, and here they have to give him alcohol drip because it's going through the DTs. So, <laughs> and he still comes out of it. And then he goes, says, "Well, I'm going to wrestle again." He goes, "You're totally out of your mind." No, nope, going to do it. Okay, here he goes. <laughs> Well, since we're talking about all this stuff here, I, I we ha- I we have a couple questions sure. uh, just on like um. So, did you have a favorite person to interview, like someone that got you really excited that you saw them and like the teleprompter that they're the next one coming up to talk to you? Was there anyone that is like, oh man, this is gonna be this is gonna be crazy? Or well, the first time I saw Magnum TA Terry Allen, Virginia mm-hmm. Beach, uh, I saw him. Didn't do an interview with him, but, you know, he was at the matches. He he was a bouncer at one of the clubs that everybody would go to after Norfolk. You look and go, he's got the look. Yeah, he's definitely got the look. And then when he goes on camera the first time, you go, oh, my God. This this is it. And, and you know, it's a shame what happened. You know, that he was... Uh, the man, he was going to be the man. It was, everything was, you know, if you want to say planned out, they, we knew that if anybody, it was going to be Magnum TA that would be, be the next world heavyweight champion. And he, you know, the biggest problem with that would be here. He's a good guy. And in some areas that we have to be bad, but the thing is, I've seen him snicker and stuff. He could be a real bad guy. You know, he's got, he can have that look and, and the eyes, but the camera would just drool over him. You know, but, but yes. And then Nikita, definitely, you know, here he walks in. uh, uh, He, he, he did it hook, line and sinker. A hundred percent changed his name, everything. Uh, someone that I really thought would would go with is Bill Goldberg, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it just, you know, it, WCW at Turner just didn't last long enough because uh, I I saw him in the training center, saw saw his work, you know, his interviews. We wouldn't let him talk for probably six weeks. <laughs> Serious, we didn't know we didn't know what was going to come out of his. Can you imagine? Can you hear a squeaky voice? No. He's <laughs> yeah, done. done. Yeah, he's done, done. after that. Done. Yeah. Cook. Gone. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, golly. Roddy Piper. I, I'm going on. I, I had a lot of favorites. Roddy, it wasn't the, fir- the first time, you know, he'd been around, but then when he came to us, he was part of that, I guess you might say, the Ric Flair Rat Pack. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Those those guys and I would drive and Roddy ride with me and he is writing the whole time of things he'd hear on the radio things he would read to put you know in his interviews he would just he's and you know I am so happy that when he went to WWF at the time that he really took off and two he also told them and he never did that he would not come in our area. He said, I won't do it. I won't do it to him. Uh, that is a great person. Yeah. Yeah, I was just watching the uh, episode 
of Mid-Atlantic where him and Abdul would butcher uh, rough, rough up Wahoo McDaniel. And you guys are like, we have to show it to you edited because it is too graphic. And Piper is just like going crazy on the outside of the ring. And Abdullah's got that fork or whatever. Like it's, I swear it's like an inch deep in the Wahoo McDaniel's head. And it's just, and, and the intensity that Piper brought, Mm -hmm. not even when he's like talking or in the ring, just his, his physical presence was, and it was insane. Yeah. And then you had Abdullah. I used to, my nickname for him was Spanky. Don't ask me where I got it from. But I said, I was, hey, Spanky, you know, and, you know, he lived in Atlanta and, oh, golly, you know, yeah. Now he'd bleed if you touched him. Yeah. And and Wahoo, about the same way, you know, was Wahoo, he'd probably, before the match, he'd take a bottle of aspirin, you know, just so he he just would bleed, you know, like, (laughs) serious, serious. You know, that. That's just one of the things, you know. But he would bleed like a stuck pig. So, do you have a do you have a favorite match that you've called? Wow, Rock and Roll Express and the Russians. I, mm. you know, we were in Shelby, North Carolina, and we did that. Bob Caldwell and I, I was hoarse after that. I mean, it did it. They came out and. I was standing up the whole time. I mean, that you want to talk about just excitement. That really, that was a you know a keep you standing the the whole time. And you know, here you have small guys against the big guys, and also at that time you had America against Russia. So you know, and it just. It hit. Yeah, the Rock and Roll Express were incredible. The Russians were incredible. Like, so a lot of people refer to the Jim Crocker promotions as like a, a tag team. That they did. Territory. Yeah. Uh, and the tag teams that came out of you guys are just, it's just incredible. And it's, it's almost hard to fathom that like everybody isn't watching like Jim Crockett's Monday Night Raw right now. Like it's, <sighs> it, it blows my mind. Just the amount of talent that came through. And... We, we, it's, it's, we messed up. Let's put it that way. We messed up and some egos got in the way of good business sense in a lot of, uh, ways. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and also at that time with, uh, WWF Vince could offer more as far as money that we could not. Yes. We, you know, and believe it or not, we did, we bought the the rights to TBS from Vince uh, to right. help save us, and we financed the first WrestleMania for him. So, yeah, it, yeah, we. A lot of people say if it, we shot ourselves, we did, we did. Uh, when we bought Mid South from Bill Watts, we did not pay attention and do our due diligence. And a lot of his past debts, when I say a lot, quite a few, came up. You know, he was paying TV stations and didn't pay them. And, and his production hadn't paid that. And he had an office building that he leased for extra. It just, it just, you know. And, you know, Dusty and Jimmy wanted to move to Dallas. Jimmy wanted to start a new life with his new wife. Dusty wanted to be in Texas, uh, and you can't divide an office. Uh, we need to, to be in one place. So, 
And that's it. You know, that's it for that one. You know, yeah. And, yeah. You know, hindsight's yeah. 2020. I, uh, Paul Beckham, who used to be CFO, uh, Turner Broadcasting, uh, left. And he and Bob Hope, who brought the Braves to Atlanta, started a company. And then Bill Shaw left when Time Warner bought Turner. Bill Shaw used to be an original one of the, he was one of the original Turner guys. And so when Bill, took us over he would he was the only one at turner broadcasting that actually liked us you, you talked to him today and he said the most fun he ever had at tbs was us because we were ted's redheaded stepchildren and we loved it we'd sh- shove it in their face because we got better ratings we cost less than any of the sports that he had you know but they god did they hate us I don't know. I've just lost track. I'm diary of the mouth here. What were we talking about? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> now you're you're right on target. I've been reading about the black the Black Saturday yeah. where Vince McMahon showed up on the TBS thing, and like if you watch that, it just looks totally unnatural. We knew like, it was coming. Like, we knew uh, it was coming. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, did did you guys? Um, get concerned when like McMahon bought out the Briscoes and, and Oli and, and yes. uh, moved into that time slot. Like, was that like, Hey, kind of like a, should we do something or? Yes. It, you know, we, we really didn't want to travel. Well, that's, you know, that mm. we just didn't, uh, you, you have a family, you know, that, okay. And, yeah. you know, when you talk about Baltimore, Baltimore, Philadelphia, when you talk about expanding, well, that means more time away from home. That means more expense. That means more people. Uh, and yeah, it was bad. And also, it was we sort of blindsided that it was in the background. Jim Barnett, who went to work for Vince right after that, was one of the owners of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Well. I called him Talleyrand, you know, that he always surfaces to the top, no matter which regime mm. regime was coming in. I'm serious. You know, it, look, he ended up with us, you know, at WCW. Yeah. It was a bad mistake, but they, too, didn't want us. They were afraid of us. Uh, uh, the different owners down there, I mean, the Briscoes were part owners in Florida. Right, so uh, you know, Dusty was a part owner in Florida. Golly, I don't know how many people were owners of Florida. You know, we tr- <laughs> we tried to help them out. You know, that the we what yeah. we tried to do was to help the other promotions out, which ended up hurting us. By the way, right? You know, it's there. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Send us talent. Uh, oh, you're going to pick up transportation, aren't you? Yeah, you know, they're talking back to us. I'm going, well, why would you want to do that? But you know, they it was. We thought that we if we could keep them afloat, it would keep Vince away from us. But that wasn't the case, and we got screwed. You know, with payoffs and everything else, when the guys didn't want to go because right. they weren't being paid the correctly. So yeah, and that's when we bought a G one. Which actually made sense, and some it held sixteen people. All their equipment, uh, good range is about five hundred miles. 
that you could fly them in. You don't worry about cars and so forth. Drop them off. Bring another group. Drop them off. Let them rent their cars and spend a week. Come back, pick them up. You know, and take them. In, you know, so it it's I didn't like it, but it worked. But the Falcon Twenty, no, that caused trouble. Who's going to mm. be on the list to sit in the Falcon Twenty? Yeah, so yeah, and I said, not me. I think yeah. we have our new theme song, Rich. We need to clip the <laughs> Falcon Twenty song and, uh, and put it on a loop. Well, see, he Jimmy also named the the jet Stardust. So you know what that did to the four horsemen? <laughs> Golly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm. yes. So moving uh, moving back from sure. the uh, the business side of things to the in front of the camera side again, just just briefly. I know you have a you sort of famously didn't want to go into announcing, and I know you've told that story before yeah. how you ended up in that role. Um, do you mind now, retelling I, it? I know it's an old chestnut. Do you mind retelling uh, it for our listeners? Tom Miller who was uh, Truckin' Tom Miller, WBTAM. Uh, they were a 100,000-watt station at night. You'd hear Tom from Florida to Maine. And Tom had a great, God, he had a great voice. Uh, and we asked him to be one of the announcers uh, because we were doing two different programs at WRL. Bob Cottle was the main on this, and then we had uh, Tom Miller and I want to say Les Thatcher or somebody, you know, doing doing the other. Well, one day he, he showed up and he was slurring his words, so to speak. So it's, can't put him on. I look at Jimmy. Jimmy looks at me. We flip a coin, and I lost. So I had to start announcing. So you know. Yeah. I wanted to be behind the TV camera. That that's my love, is being behind the camera, the the equipment, the the you know, the, the switcher, the just watching it and and watching the you know at that time we had six cameras, you know when we eventually got our own TV truck and watching it and learning you know Emerson Lawson was my engineer and Emerson came from Jefferson production. He had an Emmy from the winter Olympics. Uh, when America beat Russia, he, he was the tape operator for that. He was my technical director, engineer, you name it. He was it. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I have to say Emerson, I, I loved him to death, but I'm allergic to, believe it or not, to a lot of smoke. Well, Emerson was chain smoker. And have him do a TD, and I'm directing, and he's sitting there trying, you know, and he's not smoking. He's going, you know, a little nuts. And so every time we get a break, he'd go outside and smoke four cigarettes, then come back out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and my brother, Jimmy, the same way, he probably smoked three packs a day. Yeah. And he'd ride my car, and it's no smoking. So I'd stop and get gas, and he's. <laughs> so. <laughs> Matter of fact, come to think of it, uh, my bro- brothers and sister, I'm the only one don't, that did not smoke. I don't smoke today. Mm. So I've got asthma. Maybe that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. You've got to preserve your uh, instrument for yes, the microphone. Yes, that's now. right. Uh, so, so many folks have been critical of your announcing style, but I actually kind of always liked it because uh, – 
it was. I know. I, I, I and and that's you know it it hurt my feelings. Come on, it hurt me. I'm, I'm sure. Cry. <laughs> yeah, like what? so, like it was very clear that you were an enthusiastic fan go. watching, and I mean, I. I think a lot of uh, Pat McAfee when he was calling WWE. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very similar. Just you know, you weren't weren't standing on the desk and dancing uh, when people no. came out. Um, but but like nothing helps the fans more than to know who to cheer for, than an announcer getting worked up and being happy. But I could not, I could not be false though. I could not if a match was dead. I couldn't, I couldn't hype it. Uh, and it, it depended on what was there. And my brother would scream my ear every now and then, and I just sort of take my headset off and just not listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that makes the product better, yeah. right? When you can't cover up badness, then they got to oh. get better so that the announcer is oh. better, right? That comes to a story. Jimmy was in my headset one time, and, and he was trying to tell me the finish. And, you know, this is what they're going to do. I'm not, and guess what? They didn't do it. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm going, okay, back background, t- please tell me, is this real or not? <laughs> ah, it did pissed him off <laughs> big time. Uh, but, oh, that's yeah, good. I, I was a fan. I, and uh, it, it bothered me that I, I got... People would uh, beat me out about that, but I'm going, why? I'm not polished. Am I supposed to be polished? What, you know, what is it about? Are they, were they upset that I did get excited about it? I don't know. Right. I think that's actually one of my biggest gripes about uh, having to listen to Michael Cole. And like, I don't want to trash talk anyone that you might be friends with, but I mean, I feel like Michael Cole just doesn't have that excitement that like you had or like Jim Ross has when, when calling things that, that genuine, like, like push into it. He, he has more of a, he's just reporting the news kind of delivery sometimes. And, and, you know, it, it loses that punch. Like you need that excitement in your ear to match the excitement that's happening on the screen for you. So do you have any idea why the people came after you? With I this? do not know. I, I do. I wish I did. And no one, I, who was it that didn't like me? Uh, well, I can't remember his name now, but I said, why? He said, I just don't like you. What? <laughs> Okay, okay, but you know, you look at Jim Ross, and Jim truly—he's another one of those that, if he's bored with a match, he's bored. Yeah, he's finished with it, and yeah, you know, he put a knife in it. You know, just get—you know—he, yeah, he can't get excited uh, about something that's not exciting. Yeah, he's kind of like John Madden when John Madden called football games and the game would be a blowout. John Madden would be talking about the restaurant he went to right. the night before during the game or mm-hmm. something like that, like. Like I always wondered if, like, whenever Jim Ross started talking about a a, a wrestler's uh, former football career, if that's what was happening, <laughs> like he would, he, such and such played running back at Appalachian State or whatever. Like, yeah. How do you know that, Jim Ross? And are you bored? Is that why you're telling us? This? Yes, he uh, is bored, and that's you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 
So, um, obviously, one of the other big things that you'll always be remembered for is that Russian sickle uh, clothesline from Nikita Koloff. Oh, guess in what? I remember it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised, honestly. <laughs> Um, that that attack, you know, kicked off the second big feud between Koloff and Flair, and that was that was one that drew a whole bunch of money. Um, and Flair, of course, came to your defense. And um, so, first of all, was that was that as stiff as it looked? Yes, it was. By the way, it, <laughs> yes. And Jimmy didn't ask me. No, they. I didn't know anything. You know, again, it was Shelby, North Carolina, when we were doing television, and. Sandy Scott came to me and said, David, um, you know, we've been talking and there's something that we would like you to do. Hmm? Uh, okay. Uh, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we would like for Nikita to give you the sickle. I went, <laughs> Sure. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I I was very apprehensive, and for good reason, because Nikita Nikita said, uh, this is one sickle I'm going to thoroughly enjoy giving. And, And he did. He didn't hold back. I didn't know when it was coming. I knew it was coming, but I didn't know when. And it was, uh, I've said it before, it's like running, you know, when you're playing kick the can or hide and go seek late in summertime, it's it totally dark and you're running through and all of a sudden a neighbor's got a clothesline out there. And you get, you know, that's the way it was. I'm talking, I'm talking to Ivan and all of a sudden I'm on the floor. And I just laid there saying, okay, is this bone all right? That bone? I've got my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Are you uh, are you still in touch with uh, Mr. Koloff? I know he officially changed his name, which I always thought was kind of. I always admired that commitment, you know. Yes, I, I I've talked to him recently. It was earlier this week. We were doing doing a oh the thing for Ric Flair's last match. You know, he lives you know outside of Charlotte, and uh, went to talk to him, and he still got that gruff voice, you know, you know. Uh, he still looks great. Yeah, uh, it's, it was good to see him. Very good to see him. Yeah, I just I just seen him at a show up here uh, outside of Baltimore about a about six months ago, and he looked like a million bucks and probably ring ready still. Yes. It looked like yes. so. So, uh, with you taking that bump, we we know that you did some in ring training that went by the name David Finley. Oh <laughs> um, yes. So. Uh, uh, how long did you train and with who and what made you stop? Uh, asthma, uh, a big thing. Asthma. asthma yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and I was getting tired of getting the shit beat out of me. Yeah. I, I could count all the lights in the ceiling of all the arenas. You know, I just, you know, it was, I was a job guy. And, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I I was an amateur wrestler in high school, just you know. And dad, dad came to me and said, you know, nobody in the family knows the wrestling end of it. We know the promotion end, but not the wrestling end. And uh, just sort of want to know when they are telling you something, is it really true or not? You know that. Uh, 
wrestlers are quick to exaggerate things, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I did it. Uh, I trained with Rip Hawk. I, cha- I trained with Gene Anderson quite a lot, Ole. Uh, those and and Johnny Heideman was uh, he was a sort of a uh, job guy, not up and down middle uh, for my father for many many years, and so you know he was a preliminary guy. So you know, and eventually was a sheriff in Roanoke, Virginia. So yeah, hmm. you know, so it, you know, did that, and I wrestled him. Quite a few times starting out, but uh, yeah, it, that that was a reason. Uh, just for me to continue, why I, you know, to we're not making me a star of anything. It's to understand the wrestler and what they go through, and you know, if their injuries yeah. correct. I mean, you know, people I ran with, Jerry Briscoe, Thunderbolt Patterson. You know, uh, when they were here, I mean, wow, I, you know, I ran with a, a rat pack, too. You know, I, went, I was single at the time. So, I, I, you know, I said, you know, why not? So, you know, I did it. And the better for it, uh, you know, you know, landing, you know, on your back the right way, because first you're not doing it the right, right. way, a drop kick. <laughs> <That was Oof. laughs> You might call it a knee kick when I first tried. Uh, you know, get, getting up, you know, was it's a little different. And you'd have to drop kick the top turnbuckle. That's how you practice. You just kept on doing that and, and, until you'd learned how to do it and land correctly. That's, see, that's that's another thing. How do you land? You know, and taking uh, uh, the backdrop and uh, Sweet Hanson being slammed by him, you know, he's so tall. Uh, he wrestled Brute Bernard. Uh, he just beat me mercifully. <laughs> <laughs> did you have, uh, did you have any, uh, moves that were like, especially that you felt like you really like had it? You were like, that was your thing. Uh, no, nah, I, I guess <laughs> Mo- mostly I was running. <laughs> <laughs> that's a move. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a move. You know, you know, it, I was just there to, you know, I was the punching bag. You know, if they didn't like to pay off, who they take it out on? <laughs> hey, running, running away is uh, is all right. Discretion is the better part of valor and all that. Yeah, that's my. I did, you know, I wanted to be a heel, but they wouldn't let me. You know, I always had to be the baby. Baby face is going to lose. You have to, you know. Yeah, you know, for the crowd, kiss the babies and all that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it always seemed like the heels had more fun. That's right. So, that, I mean, you know. look at Rick and the, and the guys. But they paid for it, though. Wow. <laughs> so we know in the um, in the last few years, you've been sort of dipping your toes back into the wrestling world a bit. I know you've been uh, working with Tony Schiavone on his podcast, and he did some appearances on AEW and the old uh, JCP territory, and of course the involvement with uh, the uh, Crockett Cup. I think we did that this past summer again, right? Right. Um, I'm just I'm just curious about you know your decision to come back and where you see. Uh, you know, your involvement in the wrestling business going from here, is it something that you think you'd like to continue? Uh, well, to tell you the truth, I 
Thought I might have had a place at AEW, but that didn't happen. Uh, just did, you know. I, uh, you know, I, they were doing the dark match thing before, and then adding some stuff on YouTube. I thought, okay, you know, I'm not looking for the spotlight. Or just, you know, I, I miss it. Come on, you, know, you do it for your whole life and then then not do it and then you know that time with AEW with Tony yeah it it's it's like giving you know giving an alcoholic a drink and going mm uh it was really i i enjoyed it i did i enjoyed it and and I truly missed it uh billy corrigan uh, asked me to come to the jim crockett cup i did and i thought maybe something helping him behind the scenes. I don't see it. I, I, I wish I could help him. I just, you know, he says, I'll call you. I'll call you. You know, uh, it's like checks in the mail or something. Yeah. It's, but I wish him the best. I know that uh, he's got a place at CW. Now they're creating a channel along with the ACC. So that he is, he's going to need, you know, it's uh, help if he'll accept it. That see that that's the challenge. Uh, which it was a challenge for me when I was doing our production uh, for our own company. I didn't understand it. Everybody said, "Well, you need a production manager." I'm going, "Why?" <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing all this. They said, "Yeah, but look what look what you are doing." <laughs> I'm going, "Oh." And I went through seven production managers before I found somebody that we fit. And the same thing with each department. I went through a lot of different people and companies until I found people I could trust to go on and handle something else. And uh, Billy uh, and Tony Khan, they all are going to have to, at some point, trust people to let them do their job. You know, there's no way they're going to come close, you know, to WWE. I mean, WWE is a behemoth. Their production is a plus and better. Their talent is 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 fantastic. You know, uh, they have the training camp. You know, Terry Taylor's down there with them, and they have. They, they go out and sort of draft people and, and see what they can do. So, you know, it's – you can't be like WWE. You need to be different. You know, if you want to compete with them, and not going to happen. No, I, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's just not. It's like, golly, I don't know. Maryland up against uh, Georgia. There you go. You know, it's yeah. You know, I, I just don't don't see it happening. You know, it's the first time I went to see no. um, the University of North Carolina football team. I said, this reminds me of high school. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just a it, you know. And I was in military school in Sweetwater, Tennessee, and a friend of mine, uh, classmate Joe Wallen, asked me to come to Knoxville. And we went to a football game, Tennessee football game, Thanksgiving, 100,000 people. That, oh, 
that was heaven. You know, the, the rivers, all these boats, and there's parties going on everywhere. Mm. It's a different world. Different world. I was yeah. uh, I was at Maryland when they joined the Big Ten. Um, and, you know, so all of a sudden we went from the ACC to the, the Big Ten. And, you know, we got teams like Northwestern and Penn State. Like, oh, this is not, not going to go particularly well. Right. Um, no. So, and it did not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Maryland ACC is primarily known for basketball. Yeah. You know, Lefty yeah. Drizel, Maryland. Yeah. You know, he was here at Belmont Abbey, Davidson College, then Maryland. Uh, just what a character. <laughs> I was there through uh, through a good bit of the Gary Williams days, if you watched much um, back then. And, you know, yeah. it was good. It was, it was a good team. Yeah. Well, it was a good conference. Good, you know, yeah. I'm sorry to see when South Carolina left, you know, the, the ACC. But it all has to do with money. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's why the ACC is doing their thing, their channel. I guess Everybody's got a channel. Um, ODU is in the Sunbelt Conference. I think they've got a channel, or if, if not, they'll have one soon. Um, so. So uh, speaking of trying to compete with WWE, uh, we wanted to ask you a couple questions about your time with WCW. You were resistant to the Ted Turner buyout, correct? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, what was what was your driving force behind being resistant to uh, billionaire Ted coming in and buying up the, the uh, family business? Because it wouldn't be a family business anymore that we would be corporate, that we could not do what we really wanted to do and you know it took my mother to convince me because i even rick flair rick uh he didn't want to go to uh to ted or should say to turner broadcasting and i talked to people about you know coming in buying uh, at one point jefferson production um wanted to come in with us and but jimmy would already set his matter of fact jimmy had already made his deal and and got a check, mm. which I, I found out later. Yeah, so and Jimmy and I didn't speak for quite a few years, but that that broke the family up and you know, there was mm. you know, a lot of things that, that were wrong with it, but you know, the th- funny thing about it, I'm the one that survived. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, so and two, Ted Turner was the only person at that time at Turner Broadcasting that wanted us. Mm-hmm. He wanted us. He saw the potential. He saw the ratings. But when he bought us, he could not find anyone on the board of directors to take us. So he made Jack Petrick take us. And Jack Petrick, shortly after he took us, and it wasn't that long, I'm like, I guess a year, maybe two years if that, I'm not sure. He brought in uh, he brought in Jim Hurd right away, and, and that was military trying to herd cats. <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, you know, like Jim, you know, the, but you know he it, it just didn't work with these wrestlers. So, and then Jack Petrick retired, and then we went through all these different people from Turner uh, wanting, and then finally. It came to Bill Shaw. Bill Shaw was head of HR. He was uh, an original Ted Turner person. And he sort of put his hand up and he said, I'll take him. What a fantastic individual. He 
would let you take ownership in what you were doing. And he said, you know, this is what you want. Good. But this is your responsibility, not anybody else's. Don't put the blame on anybody. You know, this you're responsible for it. And it worked. I matter of fact, when he came in, uh, he was looking for an uh, executive vice president. And of course, I raised my hand and he had lunch with me. And he, he said, David, are you really serious? I said, sure. And he said, what's your last name? I said, Crockett. He said, you just answered your question. He said, we can't let a Crockett, you know, even though it'd probably be the best thing in the world. No, can't do it. It just, it won't, it won't be Turner Broadcasting. won't be Ted Turner. I have this young guy, Eric Bischoff, that I'm going to put him in charge, but you have to protect him. You have to, you know, he doesn't know. And, you know, he's got some great ideas, but you have to protect him. And I did. I had a lot of knives in my back. <laughs> and a lot of nights at Jocks and Jill's, which was the the bar restaurant there at CNN Center, where Eric was so concerned about, you know, he, I can't do this. I, I, I'm a failure. I can't do it. You know, so I'd have to drive him home, you know, because he couldn't drive. But. He got through it. <laughs> and then the Turner was bought by Tom Warner and Bill Shaw left. And Bill Shaw, I asked him if I could be his uh, baggage handler because he was put in charge of all Ted Turner property. All that stuff out west in South America, that was, that was what Bill did. He was HR for that. And you go out to Ted's ranch. How much land do you have, Ted? As far as you can see on a clear day. And you kill a rattlesnake on my property, you're fired. He was big his history, you know, history. Just uh, you look up Gettysburg. He did the movie Gettysburg. Yeah, one of my favorites. The board of directors screaming and yelling about that one. The budget, of course, you mm. know, he tripled it, you know, from whatever it was. But good movie. It really was. And, and yeah. yeah, that's why his uh, son is named Rhett. Yeah. Gone with the wind. So, yeah. Uh, so I have one more question about your, your uh, WCW thing. And um, just cause for, for time thing here, right. um, about, a, about a year ago, you mentioned on the snake pit with DDP that the rock uh, rolled through WCW. Yes, uh, you passed on, on him. Uh, so, uh, can you shed more light onto the reasoning I for that? I, or? I wish I knew, but you know, I was not yeah. part of the inner circle at that time. You know, you, mm. you, uh, we had a different office and I was not near Eric. You might say, you know, for many years mm. I was near him and I could shield and I could stick my nose in where it shouldn't be. But I mean, he had it, and in a lot of ways, it was the best thing for him because the personalities we had there at any any given time would stagnate talent and not mm. let them be what they needed to be. They were trying to make them something that they thought they should be. You know, it's you need to bring 
that out of them. And, and we, you know, uh, as a whole, didn't do a good job. Yeah, because that, that's definitely counter to the story that the WWE is trying to portray as, of The Rock's career with, with that show Young yeah. Rock and stuff like that. So uh, when when I heard that, that my ears perked up. I was like, oh, we need to we yeah. need to find out about well, that. That's a, that's a fascinating little I, thing. You know, I don't know why Jody Hamilton was handling the training center. And he, you know, remarked to me, he said, they're stupid. They're totally stupid. Yeah, you know, and uh, Jody was an old timer, a Missouri baller. You know, and the assassin—he was the you know one of the assassins and he was one of the bolos. So yeah, yeah, and Jody knew talent. You know, it's a you know, look at Steve Austin. You know that we had him and blew it. You know, there are so many people that we just, in a lot of ways, to me, bookers should not wrestle too. They should only book. That, that yeah. has always been, to me, a problem is the booker is going to set whomever up to get knocked off by, let's say, if the, if the booker is a baby face that he, and by the, this heel, then he's going to come in and save the day. And, and, you know, that's one reason we were tag team territory, uh, because George mm. Becker at the time, you know, it was, excuse me, he and his brother, Bobby Becker, Bobby passed away. So George went through quite a different, uh, a lot of different wrestlers. George was, you know, not a great, he wasn't a single wrestler. And the older he got, the slower he got. So you had to have somebody take the bumps. Yeah, so that answers your questions. But in, in hindsight, yeah. too, I'm, I know I'm getting off the subject with a tag team. You can do so many different things with it. You can go from tag to singles to six mans and back. You know, you, there are a lot of different directions that you can yeah, go. You've got that natural dynamic of uh, you know two guys, two two people who are who are buddies, and then they're not buddies, and then they're mortal enemies, and then you know they have to get together because you know something else is on the line. There's like you said, there's all kinds of options there. Yeah, there's there's so many different ways you can go. You know, with a single. Somebody's got to interfere or he gets uh, beaten down and somebody comes in and save the day. And then eventually that person turns against them, whatever. <laughs> so moving up to, um, we've been talking a lot about the past and we certainly, we really love the stories and we appreciate your uh, uh, willingness to kind of look back with us. That's been fantastic. Um, so moving up to kind of current events for, uh, as we get closer to the end here. Oh, um, George! Know, <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about George, of course, yeah, but yeah. Uh, we also know that you were involved in uh, promoting Ric Flair's uh, quote unquote last match. I guess that remains to be seen, right? Right. Um, uh, any thoughts on his uh, recent signing with AEW at uh, seventy? What seventy four years of age? And he would be a good manager. The announce a color guy, maybe. Uh, you know, there again, he's got to step back and realize he's not in the ring. That he's not the center of attraction. That you know, I I, I know he can do it. It's just can he? You know, I I would I would like to see it. But I believe it when I see it. Uh, he, yes, he wants to get back in the ring. But after his last match and what happened, no. You know, he uh, if he gets in again, yeah, 
he might but, not get out know, of them. I think we all yeah. love to see our our heroes, uh, you know, overcome and and go back and do it. But it does come a, a certain point where it becomes not terribly enjoyable to watch, and you you get legitimately concerned about people that you, um, you know, that you care about. Well, it, yeah, it it becomes not a joy but a sadness to see, you know, the the Ric Flair of old, you know, dancing, clits, all that, to a person gasping for air in the ring, uh, passing out. Uh, no, uh, I'd rather remember him yeah, the same. other way. Yeah, it's actually why I haven't watched that full match. I, I don't, can't. Don't, you know? don't. I'll tell you right now, don't. It was hard for me to an, an, I announce. I just, you know, and and, and yeah. he did pass out three times. Yeah, you know, and he was dehydrated. It just, he just went in shape for it, even though he, I don't know. Yeah, he's the great procrastinator. And he'll tell you he's a functional alcoholic. <laughs> I love the guy. I love him to death. But, you know, I, I, I tell you, if he does it again, I won't watch. No. No. And I think there will probably be a lot of people that won't watch. Yeah. You, you, that charisma's gone, you know, as far as in that ring. Yeah, I, I do hope that AEW sort of, uh, if if they're going to keep him around, I hope that they sort of protect him from his, himself uh, and, and use him in some of those ways that you mentioned. I think he probably has a lot to, yeah. he definitely has a lot to offer the, the younger talent there. Yeah. Well, the vice president of talent is Tony Schiavone. Yeah. <laughs> Tony's going to have his hands full. He already has his hands full. You know, so with Rick, ha <laughs> I'd love to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> AEW is really a a, 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 a like a brain trust going on over there. You got Jim Ross and, and Tony Schiavone, but now Ric Flair. You got Sting. You got Jeff Jarrett. You got like I I think Jerry Lynn is working in the back too. I think or something or was at some point. Mm. Uh, it's just an incredible amount of of knowledge and and experience that they've got over there and i've just been waiting for the payoff they don't wait a minute the ask the knowledge there but you have to ask them yeah you know the question is not being asked i asked jeff and he said nobody's asked me anything mm. nobody tony shivani's frustrated sorry about that tony but uh it's micromanaging that's just a shame just because we, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of Jeff Jarrett as a wrestler, but, you know, I recognize that he is very savvy and very talented. And when I, I was at the show that he showed up at in mm-hmm. AEW and I was legitimately excited because I was like, he can help them. He please he can do this and like great he he's gonna have some on-screen role that's fine blah 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 but i want him in the back sitting and sitting down and having hours long conversations with mjf and jungle boy and stuff like that just just dumping his brain into them to try and uh make something better and really develop something and it just it just still isn't happening and it's making me sad Yes, uh, Jeff is better, let's say, outside the ring, behind the camera than, than, I mean, he's great talent, but he would 
they would benefit more of his knowledge and experience behind the camera. You know, they, they would. You know, uh, you know, Sting. You know, Sting has knowledge, but can he? Can he sort of book? You know, there's a there's. Not everybody can book. You know the you know what you know. How do you impart that to somebody else? You know, you know, old dominion. You think about students. You know, some of them. You know that you won't take a sledgehammer and hit them in the head. Come on, come on here. Yeah, wake up. So yeah, I the talents there, the knowledge is there. Will somebody actually tap them for that knowledge? I hope so. Yeah, the, the students got to meet you halfway. And uh, and for the record, Old Dominion University does not condone the <laughs> smacking of our students in the head. With I, I feel like I feel like I should just say that. For the record. Um, I feel like I feel like my bosses maybe barely tolerate me having well, this sideline. Um, it's good for but, them. Uh, it's just, good for them. I think so. As far as I know, I'm the only dean of libraries with a wrestling podcast. Which, All right, let's, you know, let's talk I think about that books. makes me incredibly hireable. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so just you know, I, it, we really again appreciate your your time and your. Uh, oh, you're welcome. Yeah, and we're we're getting towards the end here. I don't want to keep you up too late. Um, so I know that you've been uh, heavily involved in the Red easy Cross. Easy there, guys. Easy, easy, easy. Yeah. What did George say? I have a certain bedtime. No, I have a, I have a certain bedtime. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> See, for so many years, you know, I was up late at night that it's, it's hard for me to go to bed, or, you know, at a decent hour. Well, hell, I mean, we could stay on for another hour. I re- we were about out of questions, but we could make something up. I'm sure. So. <laughs> Let's talk about the Virginia beach and the, the, the parties we used to have down at the club down there. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I think we do need like a good, a good, uh, good uh, Ric Flair story or something here, you know. Oh, Baltimore. Yeah. Ric Flair, uh, the Marriott yeah, Hotel. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, the, uh, Rick, you know, was TBS. And spe- always when we're going to Baltimore, he advertises, we're going to be there, where he's staying. You know, girls, guys, forget it. You girls, come on. And and they come. And the hotel loves it. You know, their bar is full. You know, Rick's got a penthouse, you know, the, up there. And it's just slammed. And he has Don Perry on and just constantly. And, of course, Rick, you know, being Rick, he has to disappear for a minute, come back in his robe and his belt, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and uh, Rick is very proud of his Johnson. Very, very proud of his Johnson, and he doesn't mind showing you. <laughs> well, I, many many a girl have been hit on the back of the head with I, it. <laughs> I think we just found our promo reel, uh, <laughs> Rich. Cut, print it. Ric Flair's proud of his Johnson. Film at 11. Good God. Well, now, now I feel kind of silly asking you about uh, the other stuff I was going to ask you about. Uh, <laughs> what was that? But I don't really want to do like 20 minutes on Ric Flair's Johnson. I don't know how to 
no, a segue. No, no. Um, uh, we can talk Terry about Allen. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I'm kidding. You know, Iron, we can't talk about it. He won't let me talk about oh. that. Uh, yeah. No, no, I, I get I, it. No, I, I, yeah. No, he's saved his marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Type. So, you know, his, his, Life as a four horseman came back to really bite him in the butt. So, but yeah, he's when when I did went out to Los Angeles and did a thing for uh, Dark Side of the Ring. First thing Iron said, we were uh, Baby Doll, Iron, mm-hmm. Ricky Morton, and I. He said, "We will not talk about the four horsemen." Period. Huh. Went, oh, okay. So, I guess Ricky. Uh, baby doll, I guess we'll just talk and leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. How can you talk about Arn Anderson and not the, the four horsemen? That's right. They're, they're, I guess we could, we could talk about their wrestling and the teamwork, but not the out of ring, uh, entertainment they would provide uh, the extracurriculars yeah. as it were. Yeah. Yes. And there were a few. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, oh, if you if you only knew, well, I can't, well, it's, uh, maybe uh, once that night you put that 1985 book together for a publication there, it's sitting on your desk. We'll we can read all about it. I've got 90, uh, 95, 96, and 97. The bad part is my father started keeping these books when he first started promoting, and I could not keep them all i mean there was so much mm. i had to let go of the black and white film you know that we you know the two inch tapes that black and white that because uh, dad kept every show every tv show that uh was produced at wrel or wbt here in charlotte you know he'd keep a copy and we had it in the warehouse and i thought that turner when they bought us they were going to take everything and I go by the night before the uh, the closing of the building, and I look, and all this three-quarter inch, half-inch tape, two-inch tape, 16-millimeter film, you know, I'm going, oh, my God. You know, and then these books, you know, not enough. And then the Turner people lost all of our tape, no. by the way, that they took. Yes. That and Georgia Championship Wrestling, uh, they they had a copy, you know, and this is when Gant and Gunkel and, and Ray Gunkel were doing it. When Georgia Championship Wrestling first started on TBS, they remodeled the studios and they sent all of our tapes to uh, what's the company I see all the time? Uh, Chess, not Chesapeake. I'll, I'll remember it at some point. But it's it's a mountain. Iron, Stone, not, Iron, not Ma- Stone. Iron Mountain. Yeah. Iron Mountain. My, thank my you. My library you. works with Group Iron memory. Mountain. So. All right. Maybe <laughs> you can look it look it up. No, Iron <laughs> Mountain. Yeah, that's that's where they sent them, but they've lost them because uh. WWF called me saying, "Where are all of our tapes when they bought us? You know, when they Turner sold us." I said, well, they were there. They, if you check Iron Mountain, they might be there. So, now that's a shame because, 
Yeah, yeah, that's irreplaceable Mm. history. Classic. Yeah, Yeah. classics. Yeah, as a a person that is attached to physical media as much as I am, because I have a vinyl collection of about 300 LPs to my right here, it breaks my heart to hear that all of that was lost and not not recoverable. Just, it's heartbreaking. And, Mm. you know, there would definitely be a market for publishing those book results. Because, I mean, Tim, a couple years ago for either Christmas or my birthday, bought me an almanac of every wrestling match that happened at Madison Square Garden. It has all the the results, like, all the way up through, like, modern day. Like, Monday Night Raw on March 12th, blah, blah, blah. Triple H beat, blah, blah, blah. And, like, it's all in this book. And it's, it's incredible. And... Uh, there are other nerds like me out there that would love such a thing, such as like the 1985 results to mid Atlantic wrestling day by day. Like, and I can also tell you what we, all right, where's it? All right. Uh, this is just one of them. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we netted $9,200 Wahoo and steamboat. We're on top for the U.S. title. Oh, yeah. How about that? That's a hot match right there. Yeah. Man. Incredible. Um, All right. So we should probably talk a little bit about VCW. Um, Again, I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, the Tidings of Destruction show is coming up Saturday, December 2nd. Norfolk Masonic Temple right here on Grammy Street in Norfolk. It's going to be a fantastic show. Um, Tickets, et cetera, at vcwprowrestling.com. I have some details of the card that are are coming out down the road, but a couple of big matches that we know for sure. The VCW heavyweight champion, The Boar, will defend his title against former Ring of Honor talent Moses, who's a big old boy. Boy, six feet, three hundred pounds. He's making his much anticipated VCW debut. Um, David, have you seen the boar yet? I have he, not. Have not seen he, the boar. You're gonna You'll love get him. a kick out of him. He's like um, right. he's like Kevin Nash in a in a boar mask. So oh my word, yeah, you'll love it. Um, the <laughs> other, right. he lives the gimmick too. He was on our show. We had to call him boar. He never took the mask off. Anything like that, we have no idea who he really is. That's terrific. That's ter- and I'm gonna uh, sign autographs and. Take pictures and do all that That'll stuff. That'll be awesome. You know, with the people. Yeah. Um, we'll also have uh, Brandon Scott, who's another uh, fantastic talent, friend of the show. He's going to face off against the intimidating Joe Keys. Um, and, of course, more of your favorite VCW talents in action. And our special guest, of course, David Crockett, will be there to help celebrating the retirement of beloved VCW commissioner George Pantas. George is retiring from his role as VCW commissioner in in-ring action, but, of course, he will still be in orbit around VCW, and I don't think... Uh, he's going anywhere, but uh, as far as his kind of public-facing thing, this is it for uh, for George. Um, anything uh, else you want to say about the upcoming show, David? Anything else you're looking forward to? Uh, well, I look forward to seeing everyone there and, and getting reacquainted with some old friends or grandchildren and their great-grandchildren uh, that are out there. But, you know, I look forward to celebrating uh, George's retirement and it's going to be fun. Everybody, you know, please come. It'll be a great time. The shows are always a lot of fun. Um, and if people want to find out anything else about you and what you're up to, is there any, any place that they should go to look? Uh, any shows you're doing besides besides the best one, uh, all the WrestleManias, obviously? I do a, a, a show on this book or with Conrad. once. I do one uh, once uh, a month at a time. Other than that, I'm a grandfather. That and yeah. yard work. Uh, when I can, unfortunately, you know, 
uh, this this has uh, prevented me from doing a lot of things because yeah. I am right-handed. So you know, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Will that cast still be on on December second? No. Oh, no, that's a no. shame. I, I get it all. Oh, I know. You, sickle. I can do George a sickle. That's you could it. you could crack Jerry. You could, you know. I was thinking that maybe uh, you pull a uh, uh, a cowboy Bob Orton and just keep the cast forever and you know just. Oh, I think I hadn't thought about that. Maybe we could. Every time I see that, all I could think about is how bad that cast must smell. That's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was just thinking about that too. We'll we'll put a new wrapping, new cast. You know, yeah, yeah. So, so maybe stuff one of those pine tree air fresheners in there or something. Just for, there you for go, the kids. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, just fresh or something to put in here yeah all right well again we want to thank our, our special guest david crockett we again we we love talking to you you feel free to come back anytime we can oh i'd love we can to stay up love late to. and uh, tell all kinds of stories and uh um and thank you for listening we're at all the wrestlemanias.com you can find us at at wrestlemania pod on twitter uh shoot us an email at all the wrestlemanias at gmail.com we're happy to get your your mail we're happy to answer your questions on the air um david any last thoughts I just wish everybody the best uh, and keep us all safe. So for tonight, uh, I'm your co-host, Tim. And I'm uh, still starstruck rich. (laughs) (laughs) Signing off and we'll see you later, everybody.